Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend Brian Rimza, who just got back from the Arizona Strip and shot a absolute giant deer, like 230 plus inches, uh, with his bow and arrow. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I was so stoked to be getting some of the inReach uh, updates from you, and um, Buck Down was uh, one that I uh, especially like getting. Tell us. Uh, about your buck, and then we'll kind of back up and we'll kind of start at the beginning. But at, right now, tell us about the buck. Well, I mean, uh, I spotted that buck on Wednesday, and after I saw him at a couple hundred yards, I was pretty much focused on trying to kill that buck because I knew how big he was seeing him in person. And man, he's uh, he's pretty impressive. He's he's a six by nine. He's got forty nine inches of mass. Um, he official score SCI is 232 and 58, so that's basically equivalent to a gross score. And he's probably going to net somewhere in the 216 to 217 range as of um, when it's all all said and done. So I mean, I just I don't even know what to say, man. My cheeks hurt right now because I'm smiling just telling you about it. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was a grind, and those guys worked hard, and I mean, we all worked super hard, and it was so nice to to finally get a break because it was just we were really grinding it out and we needed needed to get a break man yeah you know um you didn't have very many points um when you got this tag and i know that with the drought and what have you um you had you know kind of i know it crossed your mind about you know what kind of bucks are up there you know should i hunt the tag um you know and i know you were talking very close with breck bundy um, who I've got to mention, I'm sure you'll be mentioning, uh, you've, you've done a lot of hunts with Breck, your family, your dad, your wife. Um, we've all been up there in camp with Breck and ha- had just unreal times. But talk a little bit about, you know, drawing the tag and, you know, on a drought year like this, kind of what you were thinking. And then the flip side of that is coming out of there with a, you know, 232 buck. Um, it's got to exceed your wildest dreams on a year like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was fortunate because I only drew the tag with eight points, so I'm at a point where it, there's no point. I, I was never turning the tag back in. I mean, there's no benefit for me to that. I, I'm hunting. I'm going to be hunting bigger deer than regardless of any mule deer I've ever hunted anywhere else. And you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty diehard whitetail hunter, so I hadn't harvested a whole lot of big mule deer by any means. And so it made the decision for me easy not to even think about turning the tag in because I'll tell you right now, if I had max or very close to max, I probably would have turned the tag in and I would have missed out on an opportunity that, you know, I was afforded here on this hunt. So it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I know a lot of tags got turned back in and I don't think it was a bad decision because, you know, there are were some truly great bucks around and I, I believe I know of three bucks over 220 including mine that were harvested so far and you know but there weren't a lot of the 205 the 210 the 215 bucks like you would see on any other year and some of the bucks had declined you know 20 to 30 percent from just last year alone yeah so going into it you know what was the report from Breck um, overall, just there's a handful of real good bucks, and then there's that in-between, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy when we're talking about in-between, you know, 195 to 210 type bucks, but is that kind of the report you were getting? Yeah, I mean, my 
going into it, my expectation was, look, I'm going to try and shoot a 200-inch deer. If a 200-inch deer gives me a shot, I'm shooting it. That was kind of my take on it. And, you know, the deer were really kind of didn't really seem to blossom until a little bit later. And then Breck and those guys and got out there and put some glass on some deer. And that, that kind of changed the perspective of a few things because getting the, getting the deer in the glass really and getting them on, you know, the tines up or videotaping them and things like that really changes the perspective of how big the deer is because a trail camera really does not do the buck justice, even on video. We had trail camera video, and I'll post it here in a couple of days, that was from uh, Clay Bundy and Talon Bundy of the buck I killed. And he looked big, don't get me wrong, but we had no idea that he had that kind of mass and we had no idea that he would score 230 when i saw him on wednesday i knew he was big and i told breck i he's every bit of 220 and he might push 230 so i mean it's just have you really got to lay your eyes on those deer because sometimes they just blow you away compared to what the trail camera video or the or the pictures show yeah i think i mean that's a tip for guys out there i mean wouldn't you say with your um experience brian that you know those trail camera photos can be deceiving and it seems like, to me, in most cases, the trail camera photos shrink those, those animals up. I mean, I've seen a few cases where maybe that doesn't play in, but overall, you don't get a sense of the mass. You don't, you know, it seems like the trail camera photos shrink things up. Just curious your thoughts on that and maybe what you've heard Breck and those guys say as well. I mean, I'm under the impression that basically, you know, those deer in a trail camera picture or video are always going to look smaller and i mean i don't know i would say kind of roughly somewhere around three to five percent smaller than what they truly are um but it's hard you know it just depends on the angle you get but man my experience with trail cameras and those guys experience is that it just never the animal never looks as big as it truly is yeah um i'm kind of dealing with that out here on the Austin ranch i've been running a big string of trail cameras on private land here and, um, you know, seeing some of these bucks and some of these bulls. And then I see them in person. I'm like, Whoa, they're, um, quite a bit bigger than some of the impression I get on, uh, the trail cam. One thing, uh, I thought I'd mention too, uh, is in my opinion, when you get video, uh, that's when you can really break down when an animal's, you know, when you get a head on side and a back view, and you can kind of get that animal moving. You can get the relationship with the body and what have you. Um, whereas you could just get one front-on photo and, you know, either an elk or sheep or deer or what have you looks big. Don't you agree that video is key when you're trying to evaluate animals? Yeah, it is really, it's really beneficial. And now with trail cameras having video, I mean, that's extremely helpful too because, you know, those 4K cameras are incredible and the video just gives you a much better look at different angles. And, and the, when they move their head one direction or another, it just gives you something that you can't get from a still image. And it also helps to have a few other animals in the picture. Definitely makes a big difference there. Yeah. So you can judge body size and, and, you know, if you're dealing with a big body buck or a small body buck, that makes a huge difference. Um, right. Let's, let's, let's talk about um, your strategy uh, for this buck. Once you saw him, if, if I remember from prior conversations, I believe you saw the buck uh, on, you were just still hunting. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, seeing the buck and then how your strategy to get the buck and how it all unfolded. Well, when I, I went up Wednesday before the hunt and the morning, that Wednesday morning, it rained a lot. 
I mean, the Strip was a muddy mess, and some of the country, like Wolf Hole Valley, was just a lake of water. And so, obviously, that changes the dynamics because, I mean, water is an effective way to hunt the Strip, and having dry, hot weather can be helpful and can make things very successful. Um, so I first started off, I was spot and stalking a buck that we had found, and uh, we had nicknamed him Kickstand. And we thought he was a 215-type deer, and I actually found him the day before the hunt and got a good stock in on him on Saturday morning and almost killed him. He had got bumped by something else and kind of ran right at me and caught me off guard, <laughs> and so I wasn't able to get it, get it done. And so I hunted Saturday, the rest of Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and we were seeing some deer. The mornings were fairly okay because the deer were on their feet for a little while but the evenings were basically non-existent i mean we had a full moon and it was bright and so the deer were they basically were only on their feet or visible if you were lucky for 45 to 30 minutes you know in the evening so it made it made that super difficult um tuesday morning i glassed up a big deer about two miles away and i was by myself at the time and I worked over to that deer trying to, you know, I hauled butt over there trying to kind of pinpoint where he was at. And when I got over there, I had a really hard time figuring out where the deer was. So I worked around and took me some time, and I finally ended up driving back, marking a spot and driving back over to where I glassed from, and I figured out where the deer was at. And So I started hunting that spot that night and didn't have any luck, and the next morning I still hunted through there. And I spotted a real solid four-point buck that we knew about that had a little, a couple of little baby droppers on one side. He's a 200-inch deer, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll give this deer a shot. He's in a good spot. And I was making a move on that deer, and I mean, I'm thinking this deer's dead. I got the wind right, sun's at my back. He's in a country that's not too thick, but thick enough for me. And I'm about 120 yards from my, the deer I'm after, and I look to my right, and about 150 yards away, I see in a sage flat, I see just horns sticking up up above the stage looking at me <laughs> and I put up the glasses and I was just floored at what I was seeing the buck was just absolutely ginormous and he watched me for and I watched him for a good 10 minutes and out walked behind him was a buck that we had seen and you know the buck was that was with him was pretty darn impressive of a deer in itself but standing next to the buck I killed it was it didn't even look like a big deer and so that really got my heart pumping, and I pretty much forgot about that four-point that I was initially interested in. And uh, now it was just a matter of trying to figure out how I was going to kill that big deer. So things had started to dry out a little bit, and it was getting hot. And, you know, I'm an opportunist. And I like to take whatever opportunity I can, you know, to make it happen. And I would say I'm more on the patient side than aggressive side when it comes to hunting. So sometimes maybe I should be a little more aggressive. And, you know, that thought runs through my mind. But I just, I tend to do better when I'm a little more patient. So this buck that I was after, along with several of the other bucks, were, were uh, really close to a, a dirt pond. And that pond was drying up and some of the ponds around it had dried up and you know I had cameras or actually I didn't have cameras but uh Clay and Talon have some cameras on there because Breck works with Clay and Talon uh 
to kind of work, run some of the different cameras so they can work together because the strip is so large. And, you know, the cameras really didn't show much, but it just I knew all the deer were kind of right in that, congregated in that area. So I made the decision to put a blind up on the water, and it was a tough spot because you couldn't put the blind. The closest I could get the blind to the water initially was 57 yards, and it was kind of at a junction point with, you know, four roads converging together. So I knew I was going to have some issues with people driving by and stuff like that. But I just figured that hopefully if they're hunting during prime time, you know, I'll have some available opportunities without people, you know, all over me. So I put the blind up and I got in there and I sat that evening and didn't have a whole lot of activity. And I had several vehicles come by and it was a little frustrating um, just because one of the other ways to be very successful on the strip is uh, honestly to road hunt. And it works, and if you know where the deer are at, you can be pretty successful at it. It's just not something I've ever been, I guess, good at. I've never really done it. And so, you know, you get people that do work those roads, and it's successful, and I can't knock, you know, how well it works because I'm just absolutely amazed at how well it works. Um, but, you know, I opted to keep sitting there and keep kind of grinding it out, and after... The first night I sat was Tuesday or Wednesday night, and then I sat on Thursday, and I had a couple of bucks come in, nothing that was big, and I was checking the camera every day, and I knew that nothing was hitting the water at night, at least it wasn't showing on the camera, so I kind of felt like I still had a solid opportunity because, you know, the cameras weren't showing a whole lot on there. So, on... Friday morning. Hang on, hang on for just a second, Brian. When you say that they weren't showing many bucks, a lot of guys would think that that, that means, you know, this isn't a good spot. What you're saying is they, you, you felt like because there weren't pictures, you felt like those bucks needed the water there, but they just hadn't. So any, any second or any day now that they were going to hit, is that what you were thinking? Yeah. And I mean, based on talking to Breck and his guys, you know, those strip deer are pretty amazing when it comes to to being able to being resilient and going without water and things like that. So, I mean, I, I felt like that if I was sitting anywhere else in the state or the places that I was familiar with, that I would have had deer pouring into the water based on how hot it was. And from the day I started sitting to the day I killed the buck, I think it was four, four days. And the, my initial shot when I first set up was 57 yards. And when I shot my deer, he was at the closest edge of the water that used to be 57 yards, and it was now 63. So, I mean, the water was receding rapidly gotcha gotcha so um on like we were at friday morning i think yeah friday morning i saw one of the other crews in there and they had rolled past me and i got word that they had killed a big deer and i'll be honest with you you know i knew they were in that area and i knew they were hunting the same deer and i knew they knew exactly what they were doing and i was pretty defeated man i i was just I was really tore up because it was like, man, I felt like I had worked hard and, you know, my number just hadn't been called and I, I felt like they had killed the, likely killed the deer I was after. And so I was just, it was tough, man. And, uh, after being, I think this was nine days in after being in there for nine days, you know, and, and beating yourself up and feeling like, you know, you're going to get an opportunity. I mean, my experience in hunting is, and if I give it my all for about five to seven days, I usually will get an opportunity at whatever I'm trying to hunt. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but, I man, most of the time it works. And so I was just, I was a little beat up and 
I was a little bummed, and I ended up driving over to uh, the camp of the guy who had harvested the buck, and super nice guy it was uh, Nick Munt from TV from uh, Real Tree Road Trips. You know, I, I can't say enough about how nice he was. It was cool to meet him, and um, I actually knocked on his trailer door, and he answered his trailer door. He was taking a nap, and I was like, hey, you know, can I see your buck? And he's like, oh, it's already gone because, I mean, the deer in velvet, so they're trying to preserve the horns, but he did show me pictures. And I'll tell you what, like, if there's a turning point in the hunt for me, seeing the pictures of his deer, like, I was super happy that he killed a big deer. That's awesome. You know, and those guys worked hard. But when I saw the picture of the deer and realized it wasn't the deer that I was after, man, it, it was, it gave me, like, it rejuvenated me for sure because I was, I was, I knew that I had a chance at the deer I was after. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it gave you almost a fresh start. Like, I can, I can just hear in your voice the the relief and the sense of okay i'm still in the game yeah and i mean you know my wife was super good about it because like i would text her with the inreach and she could tell that like i was dude i was i was pretty dejected when i heard they had killed because i thought they had killed the deer i was after and when it turned out it wasn't the deer i was after it was it gave me new life man and and so i ended up uh you know telling him congrats checking out the pictures you know nick killed an incredible deer for a non-resident. I mean, the odds of him drawing the tag were just unreal. And, you know, he did a great job. And, you know, Mossback, Arizona, and Chad Woodruff put him on a great buck. You know, they did an awesome job for him, and he killed a giant. So, I mean, congrats to those guys. So, after that, I was rejuvenated. I was ready. So, I went back, and I sat the water that night. Didn't have any luck. So, Saturday morning comes around, and I get in the blind, and, you know, there's a lot less traffic rolling around because a lot of people are done. And about 9 o'clock in the morning, I look out of the blind, and I see the big typical with the little dro baby droppers walk by, but he doesn't even show any signs of coming to water, and he's with the doe. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, at least I saw him, I guess. So that night I get in the blind, and I'm sitting there, and, you know, it's getting down to, like, movement time, 6.45-ish when the deer start to move, and 7 o'clock, and I look up, and I see a deer walking toward the water, and I can tell he's a buck, and so I put up my buck, my binos, and I look, and it's him, and I was like, wow, I mean, it was, it, I, my heart started pumping, I was, I was ready to were go. Were you shaking? Now, so. man, I was, were you shaking? <laughs> I was shaking a little bit, man, I was just, I'm thinking in my head, like, you're going to get your Don't screw this up. here. Don't screw this up, because, I mean, <laughs> One of the things I really work hard to do, and, I mean, you know me, Jay, is that I try to control every variable that I can personally control. And so, because I know that when you get those opportunities on once-in-a-lifetime animals, if you screw it up, it's over. You can't screw it up. And so, on a side note, a little interesting deal is that I was now sitting a blind, and a lot of times in a blind, I take my bow quiver off my bow because it's just it makes the bow lighter. Well, when I shot in camp seated in a chair with my bow quiver off my bow, I didn't shoot as good. So I left my bow quiver on my bow because I'm just that meticulous about what I do. And I guess you might want to call it anal, but it just works for me. Yeah. So anyways, the deer is coming in, and he's super cautious. He is like, I mean, just taking his time, really worried about kind of what's there, what's going on. Sorry about that, Jay. That's right. But, uh, 
So the, the Bucks coming he's, in real meticulous. Yeah, he's coming in, and uh, he acts like he's going to come one direction, and then he ends up circling around and coming in the direction that all the other deer come in. So most of the deer, when they get within 50, 60 yards of the water, they just freaking run to the water's edge, and he's cautious the whole way, the whole way. And he gets down to the edge, and, you know, I range find him. I've got everything ready to go, set up. I'm ready for him. And, you know, 63 yards. I'm like, all right. So he puts his head down and commits to drink, and I get to full draw. I find my 60-yard pin. You know, and it's, it's dusty now. You know, it's getting down toward last light. And I find my pin. I'm in a blind, so it's obviously darker in the blind. I get my pin. I put it on the, put it on the buck behind the shoulder, and I, I turn it loose. And the buck just explodes out of there. And I have no idea whether I hit him, whether I missed. I don't, I don't even know, you know, what happened. So I'm fumbling around and grab my binoculars in the blind, trying to get the buck in my binos. And I'm looking through the mesh of the blind. And buck runs out there about 150 yards and stops. And he's standing in a sage flat. And all I can see it's his nose and above. So I can see his nose, his eyes, his ears, and his, and his horns, and I can't see any part of his body or anything else. So I'm thinking, man, like, did I hit him or not? So I'm sitting there just watching him, watching him, watching him. And I remember thinking, well, sometimes he kind of showed, drops his head a little bit, shows some signs of being hurt, and then sometimes, you know, he'll perk up and his ears are perked up, and I'm just like, man, I, I don't even know, you know, all these things are running through my mind. You know, I just got this opportunity. Did I make it happen? Did I make it count? And I'm watching him, and it goes by for 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, now it's, the, it's getting dark. And so I'm fighting the darkness. I'm fighting looking through the screen of, a, of the blind. And, I'm, you know, my eyes are really straining because you're really trying to see any glimmer of hope. And... All of a sudden, I just see a white flash, and the deer is gone. And part of me is like, did he go down, or did he run off? You know, I'm thinking to myself, what happened? And so I, I take a minute, get myself together. I open the blind. I get out of the blind. I walk down to the, to the edge of the water looking for my arrow. And, you know, it's almost dark, but, I mean, I can see everything pretty well without – my light on or anything like that and i don't even have my light with me so i'm looking for my arrow and you know i got white fleshed arrows so i mean i should be able to see them i'm shooting downhill i figure you know it's not uh it shouldn't be too big of a problem and i can't find my arrow so i'm like okay well you know this is a good thing because my arrow should be right here i was shooting downhill if i missed or if i got a pass through so i mean he's probably packing the arrow somewhere so i'm like all right that's kind of a positive so i go back to the blind and I'm packing all my stuff up, you know, getting everything ready to go. And I get out of the blind, and now it's dark. I got my headlamp on. So I don't turn it on because I want to get down to the water and be kind of out of sight of where I last saw the deer. And I get down there, and I turn on my light, and I take a couple steps in the direction that the deer ran, and there is blood everywhere. And so I'm like, this is good. I'm thinking, now I'm thinking this is really, really good. And so those guys get there to come pick me up, and I tell them, you know, what happened. And, I mean, we're just, we're struggling, you know, to get some positive things going on in, in camp. And, uh, you know, I tell them, I said, okay, I want you guys to just drive over to this 
drive over to this sage flat where I last saw the deer. I said, there's a really good blood trail, but I just want to check right there and see what happened right there, see if the deer's down. And so I get over to the, uh, over there, and I, I tell them, I'm like, hey, like, turn on the brights of my truck. And so they turn on the brights, and I can't see anything, you know. And so I get out of the truck, and I walk about 20, 20 yards into the headlight beam, and I look up, and the buck's laying there dead. And I was just <laughs> like, I mean, it was, I, I don't, I've been on a lot of hunts, man, but this one just, it was just incredible. I mean, the, the feeling and the emotions was just awesome. And to see the deer and, like, walk over and pick up his head, I was just, oh, I mean, I, I don't know that all that feeling is just, you know, such an amazing feeling. And, you know, I've been blessed to have opportunities to kind of share that feeling. You know, last year when Nicole shot that giant deer up there with Breck on the rifle hunt, I mean, kind of the same feeling. It was just we had worked so hard for her deer and the same thing here. We worked so hard and it finally came together. And, you know, the irony of the deal is is that I had made a good shot on that deer, but right as the arrow had got to the deer, the deer had turned away from me. And when I was looking at the deer, you know, laying there, the, my arrow had kind of cut him along the outside of the body, along the shoulder, and ended up lodging in his neck and going through his neck and obviously caught a major artery there. And, I mean, he just ran up on the hill and bled out and died. So, I mean, yeah, I got lucky. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. You know, some hard work pays off. And, it, you know, sometimes you got to have a little bit of luck, you know. And it, it, this time it was uh, in my favor. And, I mean, I just – it was just – it's surreal, man. I still can't believe it. I still can't believe, you know, how it all played out and that we managed to make it happen. But, I mean, it just reminds me of, you know, why we hunt and what's so exciting about hunting along with the family and friends like that is it you can grind it out for days and days and days and, you know, you can be having just the roughest of hunts and then all of a sudden in, you know, a five-minute window, everything changes and it's just crazy. But, I mean, That's awesome. I can't. So the white, the white flash that you saw, Brian, was that the buck actually falling? Is that what it was? Yeah, I think he turned and kind of took a step or two, kind of like a stumble, and then just fell over and died. Okay, incredible. So, I mean... It was just, it's surreal, man. I mean, when things come together like that, you work so hard for a particular animal. I mean, let's be honest, we've all seen big animals. We've all tried to, you know, kill those big animals. And, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't work out. But when it does, man, it's just a pretty amazing feeling. It is fun when the sun is shining on you, for sure. Well, that's Uh an awesome story. I'm so pumped. Uh, I know you got some video. I think you videoed some from the blind um, and, uh, you know, loved seeing the pictures on your Instagram account. Just an incredible buck. And, um, you know, it's always so fun to hang out with Breck and his crew up there. I'm sure uh, this, this trip was no different. Um, so just congratulations. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, I can't thank Breck and, and Joe and Andy and Cody uh, enough. And, I mean, big thanks to, um, you know, Talon Bundy and Clay Bundy and those guys for all working together to share, you know, some of the trail camera footage and things like that. I mean, they, they're definitely – those Bundys are uh, a deadly team up there, man. And, I mean, I, you know, it's just – it's a team effort up there. I mean, you you, you got to work together to, to – to make it happen and I mean sometimes it comes together sometimes it doesn't but I mean in the end you know the strip is a magical place with some 
incredibly magical deer and i mean it's just i just feel blessed to have been able to experience it and have it go the way it did you know what i mean so yeah that's incredible man just congratulations hats off to you guys for your success and you know putting the effort out and uh, love hearing the story and just a i can't wait to put my hands on it uh when i get back to arizona and check that deer out for sure yeah i think uh you should be hunting the strip here in the next couple of years right yeah, I'm gaining on it for sure. I'm I'm getting closer and closer every year. So um, I actually didn't apply. I've got so many points. I didn't apply other than just a bonus point this year, just because I knew a drought year that you know likelihood of you know bucks making it through the archery season and being you know available for the rifle. I just figured I would wait till a, a better year. And um, you know, obviously you shot this year, but I think overall that you know the strip is down. Um, but it just goes to show how incredible that place is and, uh, you know, how those big deer can, you know, survive a drought like this and, and still have big antlers. It's, it's awesome. Um, from a, from a on the ground perspective, obviously dry, super dry winter, but, you know, um, from what I've heard, the monsoon up there, has actually been incredible. Can you give me a firsthand report of, of, you know, conditions and how it's looking, you know, through the summer here? You know, the strip right now looks amazing. They've been getting hammered with lots and lots of rain, and it looks, I mean, it looks good. You know, I think if you're, if you're someone with, has, that's holding a rifle tag in your pocket right now with max points, um, you know, I think you've got a tough decision on your hands. I think that there are going to be some big bucks killed. You know, there's going to be a few 220s, maybe 230, maybe something bigger than that. Um, but... there's going to be a lot of guys trying to hunt for those, you know, upper echelon deer because there's just not a lot of them there. Um, From my perspective, I think if I had max, if I'm a rifle hunter and I had max and knew I was going to draw the tag uh, in the next year, I probably would turn the tag back in. Um, Not to say that you can't go up there and kill a big deer, but you just have to go up there and be reasonable um, with what you're hunting because last year on Nicole's rifle hunt and during the archery hunt last year, I mean, it was one of the best years that they've seen on the strip in a long time. And it's nice to be able to pick through a few 215, 220 deer rather than to be hunting one 215, 220 deer that everybody else is hunting also. So, yeah, that's I a mean, good point. And, you know, you can turn that tag in. Uh, to game and fish, you can turn it into outdoor experience for all to donate it to a kid. Um, but definitely explore your options with that. I think it's a wise choice. I mean, you're given that opportunity to turn those tags in. So if you've got max, I'm telling you, you probably should be looking at maybe turning that tag in. I'm not saying you got to, but it's, if you don't have max, I don't think you have to worry about it. Go hunt, have fun, shoot a 200, 210, 220. And enjoy it. But if you got Max, you really got a decision you got to make. Brian, I want to take just a quick second here and thank the sponsors of the show. They are what make, makes this show possible. Um, I want to thank Go Hunt and the Go Hunt Gear Shop, uh, the optics department. Cody Nelson, who I've just had recently on a podcast, he's the optics manager. If you have any optics needs, uh, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747, extension 2 or email him at cody at gohunt.com. I also want to thank 
Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for their sponsorship of this podcast and Canyon Coolers. And if you go to canyoncoolers.com, use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Brian, that was uh, an incredible story, uh, fantastic buck. Thanks for uh, coming on and uh, spending time with us. Uh, thanks for giving your uh, updates on the strip and the conditions, and I uh, look forward to seeing that buck in person. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. Um, yep, I look forward to uh, seeing you and the buck. And uh, uh, what do you got? What do you got? Any other tags or anything on the horizon here for you? Uh, my dad's got an Arizona elk hunt coming up, the archery tag, and um, my wife's got the the statewide bear tag. So we've been looking at a different, a couple different options, trying to get her a bear with a bow. And then I, myself personally, I have a Wyoming elk hunt in the middle of October. So I'll be awesome. in some, the back country there for a few days. Awesome, buddy. Well, God bless, and uh, look forward to seeing that buck. I'll catch you later, okay? Sounds good, Jay. I'll talk to you later.